What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, back with you today, host of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. A lot to talk about regarding West Virginia men's basketball. Mountaineers 0-2 start to the season. Now they are facing number three Kansas in what should be a really good game. And for what we will get into is probably a must-win game for West Virginia. So we will get into that. We'll get into a lot of stuff about Eric Stevenson as well as the play of other Mountaineers in their first two Big 12 games. And then we'll give a preview for this Saturday's game against Kansas. So with that, let's get into it. Obviously, the first two games of the season in conference play, conference season, I'll call it, for West Virginia weren't ideal. An 82-76 to loss on the road to Kansas State on New Year's Eve, and then a 67-60 to loss to Oklahoma State on Monday. Mountaineers are 0-2 in Big 12 play, one of four teams in Big 12 that are currently 0-2 in conference play, and Part of that has been due to the play of Eric Stevenson, not necessarily how he's been with his shooting, but more what he's done after he's made shots or after he's been whistled. So as we all know, Eric Stevenson is a player who thrives on emotion, who thrives on the energy of a game, who isn't scared to get in anyone's face, who isn't scared to chirp, who isn't scared to clap back at someone to say that thing that pushes someone else over the line. But Eric did cross a line of himself. Obviously, the big storyline was from Monday, but take it back even to last Saturday, Mountaineers on the road to Kansas State. Stevenson gets called for a contact technical foul, a call you just really don't see called much, but uh, that was his first. That was, that, was, that was the one, and he ends up 22 minutes, seven points, five fouls against Kansas State. Two days later, follows it up. He gets back-to-back-to-back threes, three three-pointers, and four West Virginia possessions or four West Virginia scoring possessions, I believe. And then, sure enough, uh, grabs his private area on the way back down the court. So has something to Boston Celtics guard Marcus Smart, who is sitting courtside. Uh, gets called for a technical foul when West Virginia takes their first lead of the game. Sure, and then... Minute 30 later, I think, roughly, gets called for his fifth foul. Fouls out, and West Virginia then gets outscored 13-5 to over the last seven and change when Stevenson's on the bench. And so against Oklahoma State, 25 minutes, 17 points, five fouls. That was two, two technical fouls that cost West Virginia a chance at a win. And today, Friday, January 6th, Stevenson had his first uh, West Virginia media availability since it all went down. Uh, and he apologized. He said, I'm sorry to let Coach Huggins down. I'm sorry to let this fan base down and let the state down. And to me, that's that's a good sign. Eric Stevenson's been around the block. This is third, fourth school, fourth school, I think. Third school, fourth school, something like that. South Carolina, Wichita, Washington, fourth school here. So he knows what's right and wrong. He knows he plays with an edge, but he also knows that referees look for that. And Huggins had some harsh words after Monday's game saying if he does it again, he'll be packing his bags. The criticism's fair, but he's your leading scorer and you need him in games. And I think he knows that now. So for me, it's a matter of how does he now draw a line? 
how does he know how does he now draw a line when he knows that there is a target on his back from referees from opposing teams they're going to try and get under his skin they're going to try and get at him how does he still play his game effectively and not get called for dumb stuff because he is averaging 14 points a game shooting 51% from the field 45% from three point range so when you are that productive to your team on the offensive end and for a team that has now struggled two straight games to score the ball you got you got to stay in the game and that's going to be a key and it's going to be interesting to see how he finds himself without doing that same ticky-tack, could cross a line, going up to a line stuff, because it could change the way he's played. He did admit that earlier in the season, he did admit that he likes playing the game with a with this edge, with this passion, with this fire, but obviously there's a line you can't cross, and he crossed it Monday night against Oklahoma State. Moving on, Kansas, number three team in the country, right? They are really good and they do it in a way that's not traditional they're not the biggest team in the world but they have dudes that can make shots they have dudes that can rebound they have three guys averaging over 10 points per game and over five rebounds per game we'll start with Jalen Wilson probably arguably the best player in the big 12 right now uh, almost 21 points per game eight and a half rebounds per game shooting 42 percent from the field moving on a Grady Dick 15 points per game five boards per game 48 percent from the field 48 almost 49% from three-point range. We'll get into Wilson and Dick in a second. And then Kevin McCuller, the Texas Tech transfer, 11.5 points per game, almost eight rebounds, and shooting 46% from the field. So they have a lot of guys on their starting five who can really score the ball and really rebound the ball. thing with Kansas is their depth gets a little gets a little iffy there. Uh, if they are not – if they get into foul trouble, that, that depth could play a factor on Saturday. But – their one loss of the year came to Tennessee in the battle for Atlantis, lost by 14, and it just came down to them. They didn't shoot the ball well. Shot 32% from the field. Uh, they had 16 turnovers, and they got out-rebounded 45-27. to 27. So there's that size kind of coming into play, and I think West Virginia, they're going to have to get a lot more out of Milwaukee. They're going to have to get a lot more out of Jimmy Bell and a lot more consistency from them. Pat Sumnick, who we'll talk about a little later as well, he's kind of starting to come in with his own as well, and he's going to have to – be a beast on the boards because getting out almost double out doubled like doubled out rebounded to Tennessee in their own league loss this year isn't the best look. Also, Kansas two very close wins trailed by 15 to Oklahoma State last Saturday at home ended up winning 69-67. And then this past I think it was a Tuesday this past Tuesday I want to say they seem to be in full control over Texas Tech and then they only win by three on the road but still. That's a hard place to play, and they got the job done. Uh, biggest thing for Kansas is kind of limiting who shoots the three ball. They've made 112 three-pointers this year. Grady Dick has 36 of them, uh, which is 32% of his team's three-pointers. If you combine Jalen uh, Wilson and Grady Dick from, from beyond the arc, that's 60% of their three-pointers right there. So chasing them off the line, similar to what they did with Jelly Walker and UAB, they said their game plan defensively was to chase guys off the line, make them beat you inside. And West Virginia can chase these guys off the line and not allow Dick or Wilson to get hot from three. They have a chance to win and a serious chance. Uh, another thing is turnovers. Obviously, West Virginia turned the ball over like crazy in their first two games. It wasn't as bad against Oklahoma State, although the first half they did turn it over 11 times. I think against Kansas State they turned it over 20 times. So over almost 35, 40 turnovers in their first two Big 12 games combined. And 
Kansas is forcing 16 turnovers a game. So you're going to have to take care of the ball. And a big key to doing that will be without Kedrian Johnson. Starting point guard for West Virginia, Kedrian Johnson, is out with a concussion, head coach Bob Huggins said. And truth be told, Kedy really was not doing that much offensively, but he has been here in the Big 12. This is his third year on this team, and he knows what this league is like. And he has a lot of respect, as Huggins said earlier. So, Keedy, one for 18 in the two games between Kansas State and o- Oklahoma State combined. His only make was that three-pointer at the end of the Kansas State game to send it to overtime. Five turnovers, 10 of 14 from the free throw line. Not great. Uh, Joe Toussaint, Joe Toussaint, excuse me, Iowa transfer. He's going to have to step in and be big, and I mean big, for West Virginia tomorrow against Kansas because if he gets into foul trouble, things could get iffy for the Mountaineers quickly. And those two same games combined, Joe is 3 for 10, 8 points, 6 rebounds, 4 turnovers. So the turnovers start with the point guard play. Eric Stevenson is going to probably have to hand the ball a bit. Uh, maybe you see Josiah Davis, that freshman, true freshman. I don't know. I mean, Hug said he wanted to redshirt him, and here we are, possibly biggest game of the year against the number three team in the country, and you have to play a true freshman. Could be a big stage, but also could be a big opportunity and moment for Davis. Um, but Joe has to stay out of foul trouble. It's just as simple as that. If he stays on the floor and can provide that spark defensively, make a couple shots here and there, West Virginia will be in a good position to try and challenge Kansas on Saturday. So obviously the loss of Kedrian Johnson also hurts defensively. There's going to have to be more rotations, um, ball pressure from other places, and you're going to, it's, it might take a little bit of figuring out, but there's enough guys on this team that can fill in for Kedi. Couple notes on the Mountaineers. Uh, first off, Trey Mitchell. I got to give Mitchell some props here because Trey Mitchell really has been playing good basketball. Uh, very similar stat lines in two games, which you don't necessarily see. So Trey, at times, I feel like he was timid. He didn't really go and get it. And although sometimes it looks like he's not like fully going 198 miles an hour, he's still putting up really good numbers. He played the full game against Oklahoma State, played 41 of the 45 minutes against Kansas State, had 16 points in both games, and these numbers are identical. He went 5 of 12 from the field and 2 of 4 from the three-point range in both games, 13 rebounds against Kansas State, 7 rebounds against Oklahoma State. A really solid three is what Trey has turned into, and Jalen kind of filled that role last year, Jalen Bridges, who's now on Baylor, and Trey's doing that at a higher level. Sorry, I just called Trey a three. Trey's a four. Trey is a four. I don't know why I called him a three. Misspoke there. Trey has been a really good four, and he's had to play the five. And speaking of the five, they've got to get – West Virginia's got to get something, either from Milwaukee, um, Jimmy Bell. They've both been a little inconsistent in West Virginia's first two games so far. Milwaukee um, against Oklahoma State. Two points, three fouls, one rebound, and six minutes of play. And against Kansas State, he missed six free throws as well. Pat Sumnick, who is a JUCO kid who has now transferred in, he has now been inserted into West Virginia's rotation all of a sudden against Oklahoma State when uh, Jimmy Bell had to have a rest and McGee was not playing well. Hugs put in Sumnick and... Seven minutes, he had two points and four rebounds. And so obviously the scoring's not there, but he kind of, he was trying and the effort was there. And I think for a guy in his first real game action, besides mop-up duty and non-conference play, 
that's that's kind of what you're going to have to ask for for from him. And Jimmy Bell, truth be told, he's been working hard, but there's got there's still that consistency factor with him. Against Kansas State, 18 minutes, 8 points, 3 rebounds, 2 of 8 from the free throw line. Against Oklahoma State, 23 minutes, 4 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of 8 from the free throw line. So Jimmy Bell's going to have to be a monster. Wagee's going to have to step up. And the problem for me with Wagee is how common he's getting into this foul trouble because he's entering the game and almost instantaneously picking up a foul. And when you have Jimmy Bell that's working as hard as he is, um, it's it's not conducive to really help him out. I wrote this down against Oklahoma State. Wiggy entered in at the thirteen fifty mark, at the at, sorry at the fourteen oh one mark, and at the thirteen fifty mark, eleven seconds later, he picked up his first foul. So he's got to be smarter. He's got to be better. Like you got to defend without fouling, and you also just have to like be better overall if you're Wiggy because this team can't just take one big into tomorrow, into tomorrow night and rely on him because obviously James is still developing. Uh, James Oconquo is still developing and trying to get to the point where Huggins and the staff wants him to be at. But there's there's still there's still a ways to go for him. So Wiggy and Bell have to be big. Maybe Sumnick provides some minutes. Maybe you see Josiah Harris, another guy who has length, who can play the four play the three. Uh, maybe you see him kind of in a stretch four role tomorrow as well. And then obviously Trey Mitchell, he can play the, he, he's a stretch four, can play the five as well with his height. Um, and there's that. West Virginia has been better on the glass. They had a really solid rebounding margin in both games, but that's got to translate to offensive success. West Virginia shot the ball poorly uh, in both of their games of Big 12 play. And that was kind of a surprise because this team had shot so well early on. Um, West Virginia's two lowest shooting performances from the field are their past two games. Against Oklahoma State, they went 30, they shot 37% from the field. And against Kansas State, they went 41% from the field. And if you want to talk about three-pointers, uh, against Kansas State, they made four of 18, 22% from the field. And then Against Oklahoma State, they were 27% in the field at 5 of 18. So they've got to find more consistency on the offensive end. And it starts to me with Eric Stevenson staying in the game, staying out of foul trouble and doing what he can to kind of spark this offense. Because there was times when he would not be in the game where this offense kind of seemed to lack that spark, lack that who's our go-to guy when we need a bucket, who's our guy when we really need it. Need something, need someone to space the floor. And you're going to be without Kedrian Johnson tomorrow. So against Kansas, you've got you've got to find that dude who can kind of take over at times if need be. And that will be the key to me. So moving on before we kind of give a prediction for this game. Um, is this game a must win for West Virginia? Uh, let's get into it. So the Mountaineers are 0-2 in Big 12 play. But they're also one of four teams that are 0-2 in Big 12 play. West Virginia has not played their best basketball over the last two games, yet they have still had an opportunity to win two Big 12 games on the road. Now, with that being said, I think tomorrow is must-win for this team, and here's why. Following Kansas, you host Baylor in what will be a very emotional game, 
for some, possibly with the return of Jalen Bridges to the Coliseum. Then you have to travel on the road to Oklahoma and then play top 15 TCU at home after that, who just knocked off Baylor on the road. So there's nothing easy over this January stretch. And if you lose to Kansas, then you have to play an emotional game where you're even more desperate against Baylor. That, to me, just does not seem like a good recipe. Um, so, But if you get this win against Kansas, you can kind of settle yourselves a little bit. I think it helps you as you head towards Baylor on Wednesday. And obviously, Baylor is a totally different animal with the return of Jalen Bridges. And we will, we're going to have to, like, we're going to see what this team is really made of against Kansas because they don't have Kedrian Johnson, their senior point guard. They have Eric Stevenson, who's been in some hot water with his team, with his teammates, with his coaches in the last five days. And the recipe is there for them to crumble in front of a sold out Coliseum on Saturday, but the recipe is also there for them to figure this thing out and write the ship come Saturday. So they're going to have to get some play out of Emmett. Uh, Emmett was in some serious foul trouble against Oklahoma State, 15 minutes, 8 points, 3 rebounds. And they're going to have to really rely upon who they are. And deep down, I think this team is really good offensively, and they're going to have to score some points because Kansas can score as well. Kansas has got some dudes, as we stated earlier, and they can score as well. Uh, last thing before we get into a prediction is just the state of the Big 12. The Big 12 is hands down the best basketball conference in America. You have four teams that are 2-0, four teams that are 0-2, and two teams sitting at 1-1. Four teams at 2-0 are Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State. And let's just talk about Kansas State really quickly. West Virginia fans, you might have thought that Kansas State was a bad loss, but oh my goodness, do they look like a really good team following a 116-point performance on the road at number 6 Texas. So I'm kind of surprised with this team. Obviously, there shouldn't really be a reason to be surprised when you think about it. They got Marquise Noel. They have Keontae Johnson, two dudes who can really score the ball, two dudes who have scored the ball and really led this Kansas State team. So Kansas State's been the biggest surprise through two games. And then obviously your 0-2 teams, you have Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Uh, ba uh, Baylor lost a one-point ball game at home to TCU after follow fa falling, excuse me, on the road to Iowa State uh, prior, and then Texas Tech, uh, the Red Raiders, they lost to Kansas at home by three after losing a six-point game on the road to TCU. So it's hard to win on the road, as we're seeing here early on and West Virginia they obviously proved that as well with their loss to losses to Kansas State and Oklahoma State so prediction time the biggest difference I think the biggest key I think will be how West Virginia controls the three-point line defensively and how they do and how they run their offense without Keedre and Johnson Keedy's been the ball handler Keedy can handle the pressure Keedy just has all these in, intangible skills of this offense. He knows what Huggins wants. He knows what this team needs. And Joe's going to have to step up big time because obviously Joe is experienced, but Joe really hasn't been there with this team with West Virginia. And 
to me, that's that's the biggest key. And then if West Virginia can limit Wilson and Dick from the three-point line, as I stated earlier, they make 60% of Kansas's three-pointers. That's going to be big as well. Ultimately, I just don't think West Virginia does it. I think they will be quite desperate, but I really do think that the loss of Kedrian Johnson will be big. And I think that this team on the inside – in the front court with Jimmy Bell and Mo Wagi, they're still figuring stuff out, and I think that will come back to hurt them in the long run, and I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this game. So I think Kansas is going to win this. I think it's going to be somewhat more high-scoring than West Virginia is used to. I'm going to go Kansas 81, West Virginia 76. I think West Virginia stays in it but ends up losing a close one to the Jayhawks. So if you made it this far, I do appreciate you listening. Once again, West Virginia versus Kansas. 6 p.m. West Virginia Coliseum really could go either way. Uh, But if you did make it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe if you're on YouTube. Give us a follow if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Once again, I'm Wesley Shoemaker, host of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast, and thank you for listening.